Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. One of the key words that has been coming up for me several times today, as the fog lifted from our week of fog here in Renton, Washington, and the sun is out and everything looks so pristine, and you start to almost glimpse of spring, and the hummingbirds come back in the garden, I have been thinking of the word flexible, flexibility. We need to be flexible. And so often in times of pressure, such as pandemia, it's easy to go back to what worked before. That's why we have the word trope. That's why we have the word heuristic. Our mind wants to sort of reduce problems to something very repeatable, very simple, And that doesn't always serve. It might have served once, but it may not be transferable to a new situation. The willingness to be flexible matters. And this I see often in intergenerational communication when you have people of different ages in a church or in a family expecting different things, wanting to parent differently or wanting to approach ministry differently. I also see this in by the way, church plants, where you have the core leadership team, the incubators who tend to bond through that experience and connect and have a strong bond together, can almost be too tight of an in-group for new people coming in who also want to influence, who want to exercise their spiritual gifts. We're all made in some kind of capacity to influence, whether or not we want it or accept that about ourselves or our personality may or not be disposed or we may or may not think we have the training needed. But listen, life is not only to be lived in the mind. Again, the reductionism even in church preaching to only emphasis, emphasize the Bible or only emphasize the Great Commission. And Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations And then he also said after that, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There is a timeline that we are all in. And if we say this one way is the only way to do church or to do family or to do health care or to do housing or to do politics or to do life. And if we only say that, then we are setting ourselves up for failure in a lot of ways, but mostly for a lot of strife. There were divisions in Jesus' day, different cultural groups, different Gnostic and other beliefs that the Apostle Paul dealt with in Ephesus and in Corinth, and he chose to stay in those locations strategically because while it was just a hot pot, it was also a place where many people were coming to those cities, and if he could help the gospel to flourish there, it could go anywhere. Don't underestimate the power of culture to drive your organization. So take care if you are, for instance, are you developing a family or a church or a neighborhood or a politic or a platform or an organization that has outreach? When we say outreach, we might think of community relations or public relations, community engagement, civic engagement, 
neighborliness. If we could use neighborliness as our governing relationship, we might be able to find that imaginative space again for dialogue, for conversations, for caring about the other person and not just our own self-interest. Tarde, T-A-R-D-E, wrote about economics and how self-interest is a huge driver of those. And we tend to think of economics as somewhat passive, oh, laissez-faire, this, that, you know, Really, those are just words for self-interest. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be held accountable. I don't want to take responsibility. I don't want to pay out more than I put in. And in fact, I want to make more than what I put in. So I do expect the opposite of that as well. And then we have this situation where in pandemia, fear is driving up and down the stock market and we can't seem to get a grounding of what's going on. We hear bad news here. We hear bad news there. And this is not to diminish the bad news that those are people who are suffering, but it is to say, how is it, can we slow down and start using imagination and start thinking through what has no longer served and thinking about what we want to serve better in the future? For instance, if we've developed an economic system based on giving fortune that denies restoration, that promotes slavery or exploit or discard, that even today we have marketing based on everything is free, everything, you know, buy it now. If you buy this, you get this discount and you get this free and do it in an urgent way. We have the whole patent system in healthcare that drives up costs and this lengthy path of training and there is a time and place for that and yet there is a heavy handedness of it where it takes you know seven to ten years on average in the United States to earn a doctorate degree and those who enter a program only half or less finish and there is this governing toxic belief that goes with that oh then you know this cultural belief that oh well they they didn't have it what it took they they just you know they didn't, they couldn't make the cut. So it's better, it's better that they just got chewed up and spit out. And those who finish might have a host of debt financially, their relationships or their family or their health might be in shambles. And so you have to ask, what is missing? And one of the things I think is missing is alignment or integration. This alignment with what is our future vision? What are we casting it? And how are we designing these systems? They are not passive. They are human designed. They are human governed. They are emotionally driven. They are culturally established. And they are really, frankly, not that stable in some sense of the word. And part of government, we read in Romans, is to slow things down to be that stabilizing agent for righteousness or right doing for peaceableness if you read through psalm 110 to 119 or so king david is lamenting all of the injustices that he's going through and he says how oppression makes right righteous people even make mistakes and, and raise their hands to do evil and, and this is also, you'll read this in Psalms 120 to Psalms 140, and 
all throughout that, in those, he's asking God, please remember your servant. I am faithful to your statutes, your precepts. Those are his value systems. Please give me life. That's his wish. That's his vision for life in the future. And then his hope is in God's steadfast love. So bringing it back to Psalm 26, when God restores our fortune, when we're joyful, when we are answering this lament in Psalms 1, excuse me, Psalms 42 to 43, about who we put our hope in. We're putting our hope in God, not just because He's God, but because of who He is, that He is offering to use that power and authority of being God with a power of steadfast love, with truth that acts for justice, that truth and love go together, that justice and equity establish His throne. And if you read through the Psalms, it really is this thread of hope right there in the middle of the whole Bible where you have this gory progression of what happened from the fall in Genesis through all the kingly scriptures and what people are trying to do to establish their kingdoms through violence and and then slowing it down. There are a few kings that rise up like Hezekiah and Jehoshaphat and Josiah. and, And these also all throughout, every single one, including King David, as we know, made mistakes. And what's interesting in the Psalms we hear from King David, he asks God to basically punish his enemies. And you have Psalm 139 that starts out with basically what we are living and serving for, which is this life that God is involved in of all people. And then at the end of it, he says, but, you know, slay the bloodthirsty, slay the wicked. I hate them. I hate those who hate your law. And then contrast that with what Jesus says on the cross. First he laments, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he goes and says, before he dies, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He forgave the thief on the cross and said, today you will be with me in paradise. And I think of Psalm 126 is that that paradise, that restoration, that moment where God restores life, where he restores joy, where he restores us moving to a future land of promise. And he also, and I I speak about this in the books and in previous episodes and in my classes, he ministers to his mom. He ministers to his mom by giving her a surrogate son. John, this is your mother. Behold your mother, behold your son, and His best friend, John, basically takes her in as his family. And this is powerful. This is a powerful response pre the early church, pre Jesus' death and resurrection, that he is giving us a hint of where some of that fortune is, which is in the currency of caring for one another as a heritage of God. I hope this encourages you today. I want to pray for us. If this helped you in any way, please reach out, subscribe on our website for future book releases and updates, and also the launch of our institute for e-courses coming up. And if you want to work with me personally as a coach for your community ministry or book-related project, please reach out as well. And let me say prayer for us. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this moment in time to just dream about the future of what you have in store for us, of how you restore us. You are a God who redeems all the little tiny pieces and restores. And I pray that for us as a people, 
of your children, of your holy church around the world and in our local cities, whoever is listening, also of our governments, of our city, of our nation, of around the world, that you please have mercy and lift this pandemic and the fear and anger and strife that has gone with it. We ask for your comfort and healing for those who have lost loved ones in this past two years who are themselves battling physical, mental, or emotional illness or injury. And we ask for the children that you remember them. Please save a remnant, Lord, and continue to move your family and your vision forward. And let us be more clear on that. Lift the veil. Let us understand in our minds, our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our hands, our feet, our mouths. Let us understand and articulate your vision for our lives so that we can truly start being adaptive to the season of time you put us in and honor you. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.